0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful producer, Lindsay, and I've been missing you guys last week as I was in South Dakota traveling, so we recycled some episodes. Um, And this is a great episode. You don't want to miss it. You're going to be listening to Carl... Duval and Tasha, and they're going to be talking about Carl's weight loss journey. Of course, Tasha is an expert in um, bariatric weight loss, and um, Carl has lost a total of 182 pounds. Imagine that. That is a small—actually, a big person 182 pounds is a full person to lose so um, Um, i'm excited yeah right i'm excited i'm excited for uh carl and just so appreciate him sharing his his journey i know he has to really let his guard down to do that and i so appreciate him doing that and i appreciate tasha taking a um time out of her busy schedule to um come on with us and and support carl and give us any insight on his weight loss so with that i'm just going to turn over to you guys so carl
1: um Update us on, on your weight loss. How's, how's it going? Well, it's been frustrating to me. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of a whole different ballgame than what I was doing before. And I'm trying to find the, the right, you know, what you call sweet spot zone of what I need to be doing. Um, so I feel like I should have been losing more since surgery. First two months was 50 of it. So first two months, it, was, it dropped fast. Since then, you know, it's been about 20. I had a three-month stall, about two and a half, three months almost. Then uh, I started losing again. Now I'm losing again slowly. So it's been it's been frustrating um, just because I kind of don't – it feels like I have to do everything perfectly or I'm not seeing anything move. And not that I thought, you know, the surgery was going to be – the cure-all uh, by any means, but I thought it would, I thought that that tool would make it easier. All my cravings are back like before. Um, the, those never really went away. I mean, I always wanted the food. I just knew I couldn't have them. Now that I can, it's been, it's been tough. Um, so basically it's, it's where I was before. It's just, I don't have the capacity at one time. As far as portion control, it it makes it easier portion control, but at the same time, you fill up faster, you also, your stomach empties faster. So, whereas if I ate before before the surgery, I could stay full for four hours. Now, since I have limited capacity, it's two hours, then I'm hungry again. So, it helps, but it's just a different way of, of eating, and I haven't quite mastered that yet, so... So Tasha do you have any comments is this a
0: common experience uh, after bariatric surgery?
2: Yeah because the weight loss surgery doesn't fix our brains right so we still have to battle the mental part of what why we put on the weight to begin with which is the cravings which is the sugar addiction the soda the fast food we still have to battle all that just because we had surgery and it reduced the size of our stomach doesn't make the cravings just go away. It's not the magical fix to weight loss. What it does is it forces you in a restrictive diet because it limits the amount of food that you can eat. But then when the cravings start to come back, right now, mentally you're having to battle those and keep in your diet structure to a bariatric diet without allowing that stuff to come into play. And a lot of times that stuff comes into play. And this is why so many bariatric patients don't make it to goal is because it starts to come into play. Then the mind takes over the restrictive diet. Even though you can eat less, you can still rack in calories if you're eating the wrong foods. So it's, it's a, it's a very difficult process because like right here with Carl, this is where the true mindset work begins to get to mm-hmm. goal and to keep it off for life.
0: Yeah. So, Tasha, do you have any uh, tips for Carl on how to, um, you know, to help his mindset?
2: Hmm. So, Carl, what I would do first is, you know, because you got to keep track of these cravings, right? Like when I work with when I work with my clients, and especially in this new back on track program that I kicked off, um, we're really working on mindset. So, when are the cravings coming in? What are you craving and what's kind of going on during that time frame that you're craving these? Because a lot of times it's it's just straight up boredom, right? And mm-hmm. so it's like, oh, we're looking in the pantry, seeing what's around, or I don't want to drink another bottle of water. Is there anything else I can drink? A lot of it's just boredom. And so you have to start evaluating and saying, okay, this is what the past Carl did. The past Carl used to without even thinking about it did this and this is what got me over 700 pounds the new carl with the surgery vowed to take you know to have a better lifestyle and to make better decisions so with that i have to think about why am i craving carl what do you crave
1: um it's it's never the same thing i think my problem is is the same thing before surgery it's night um I'm fine during the day. I I can eat perfectly during the day at night. And then when I was in school, there's actually, you know, nighttime eating disorder. It's actually a thing where it's not as severe as what it used to be. Like when before things like, even if I wasn't hungry, I would get into it. I would get into a panic that I didn't eat right before I went to bed. And I'd always have to have something right before I went to sleep. Even if I wasn't hungry, it was weird. It was just something in my mind told me I needed, I needed to go get something to eat or it's not that right now, but it's, it's just, I get hungrier in the evening. It seems like, Um, Mm -hmm. and end of the day, you don't feel like making, you don't feel like making anything. Like I said, my choices, like they're not terrible. It's just, Probably like like she was saying, probably eat too fast, which means I'm probably eating too much at one time. Um, she gave me some tools and I came up with some some stuff on my own to try while I'm eating to slow myself down. I did it last week and it worked actually pretty well. I, I had uh, I made a breakfast little breakfast sandwich or something, for example. And I used to just eat it, and it'd take a couple minutes. You know, I just boring eating's boring. Eating's boring to me. I just want to get it done and do whatever uh-huh. else I was getting on with. I mean, it tastes good, but it's still boring. It's like whatever. I just want to do it and be done with it. So, what I started doing last week is I would take a bite, and do, it's going to do two things for me. It's I take a bite, I take a lap around my kitchen, I take a lap around my living room, then I go back down, sit down, then I wait a little bit, take another bite, just do it. Every bite I'll take a lap. Um, So it's, it's getting some exercise in there. It's getting, slowing me down, way down. It took me 15 minutes to eat a sandwich. So, so it was a lot better as far as speed, speed goes. And as you know, as a lot of people know, it takes a while for that signal to hit your brain when you're full, if you eat fast, you're not. You don't feel full. Your brain's not telling you you're full yet, so you keep eating. Then, when the signal hits, you've overeaten. Now you're miserable. So, taking your time eating gives the signal time to get to your brain to say, "Hey, that's enough." And she also told me some signs to look for because I I was also told that if you overeat, you're going to probably throw up. Um, you're gonna you're gonna be miserable. You're gonna be sick. That hasn't happened at all to me. I I've felt. The urge once and it wasn't from overeating. It was just something that hit me, hit me weird. And that feeling went away in about two minutes. So she says another sign for me to look for. She asked if I hiccuped and I said, I hiccup all the time. She says, "Okay, if you're hiccuping like from the beginning, you're eating too fast. If you're hiccuping near the end, that's your body's signal saying you're full before it hits your brain. I said that's interesting. She goes, also if your nose runs. And I was like, Man, I get running noses all the time now. And like <laughs> uh-uh. I didn't realize that was a sign of being full either. So it was interesting because that's both happening and I didn't know why it was happening. I figured the eating too fast was the hiccup thing, but so now that I'm a little more mindful of cues that my body's given me when I'm eating, even though it's not even though it's not my brain telling me I'm full, at least I can rely on something else to tell me that so are there certain triggers at night or that make you hungry at all carl or is it just pure boredom i couldn't i don't i don't pay attention to it i just it might be i mean a lot of it is you know i try to eat around five around five so and i'm usually up until 11 or midnight or something like that so I'm going to get hungry. My stomach's going to empty, you know, in a couple hours. I'm going to be hungry at night. It's just me choosing. And it's not like I can eat a lot anyway, you know. Probably about a quarter of what I used to be able to eat um, before surgery. So, but it's, it's just making better options at night if I do get hungry, having having better having better options is a big thing. making sure my my house is full of the the things that I should have. Um, like I said, it's just right now it's just I'm still trying to learn with this new program I'm gonna start doing with the walking and all that kind of stuff, and I'll see I'll see how much of a difference that's that's gonna make because I think we kind of pinpointed that's kind of the reason. It's just my speed of what I'm, what I'm doing as far as during, during when I'm eating, but the mental part of it is also something I'm going to have to tackle. Mm
2: -hmm. Is that
1: pretty common? What's that?
0: I talked
2: over you.
0: No, that's okay. I was going to, I was asking you a question. Go ahead and answer your question, but then also answer the question about is eating too fast common? So go ahead and start with your, your question
2: first, Tasha. I was not Carl are you eating like structured are you putting a focus on breakfast lunch and dinner as your primary meals where they're protein focused
1: yeah what I started doing in the last couple of weeks is I start with a high protein drink in the morning you actually suggested the the protein powder the the cocoa pebbles and cocoa fruity pebbles yeah. or whatever
2: All right so yeah
0: i saw that I saw that post that they that sounds really good. How could you not like fruity pebble flavor
1: <laughs> yeah I, know, <laughs> I, started in, I started putting it in a coffee in the morning so with two scoops of the protein powder so that's a fifty you know fifty grams of protein first thing in the morning so i've kind of been doing that as a sub instead of a breakfast in the morning. I just want to get going with that then I do focus on it's usually lunch and dinner, rarely a snack in between sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a three meal program usually is what what I try to do.
2: And the shake, the shake, Carl, remember too that it's gonna empty out of you faster than solid food. Mm-hmm. So you might end up wanting to like flip flop that and have like a good nutritious breakfast and then build in your shake later. So you have that solid food in the morning um, because your stomach's going to start emptying out that liquid and then move your shake somewhere. Or you can do your shake for breakfast. You know, like it wouldn't really be like a breakfast, but have a breakfast sometime like two hours after the shake, have a Mm -hmm. regular breakfast, then move on to lunch and then move on to dinner. And you might find your hunger levels drop with that being yep. more structured and the, the focus on protein, each one of those meals. But then you should be building in like a good high quality, uh, still a protein focused snack. And that helps like with the nighttime grazing, the nighttime wanting to munch, because you could actually move that good nutritious snack, still protein focused. You could move that kind of in the evening time after dinner where a lot of people in the evening time, they just kind of want to graze. Um, mm-hmm. that would be the time that you might want to move it in. So that way you avoid that habit of just wanting to graze on things that, uh, you know, we really shouldn't be eating is what ends up happening a lot. I have a lot of nighttime grazers.
0: Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I can attest to that myself, even after I've lost weight, i still nighttime is a, a problem. And I think, uh, it's a problem for, that's the biggest problem for everybody. I mean, partly because we just, uh, you know, we're at home, you know, usually at night. We're not working. We're not staying as busy as we are during the day. And, you know, we typically have almost an unlimited food source in our in our um, pantry or our fri- refrigerator. And, you know, that that's why I think it's a problem at night is just because the food is just there. So it's easy to, it's easy to access.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty I am think that's cool. why it's
0: important to have healthy foods. Um, I will tell you, I know I, I traveled all week last week, and I was in a hotel room, and it was, you can't snack. After dinner, you can't snack. You're in a hotel room. So, um, I mean, you could, but it's a lot harder than just going up and getting in something in the fridge or, or a pantry. So um, it was a lot easier to eat eat clean when i was on the road than it it is at home sometimes unless you just have healthy stuff at home and that's one of the things i think and you already talking about carl that's why you have to have good healthy stuff at home because i can tell you if i had the junk food at home i'd eat it yeah
1: so the it is it's hard my son does not follow the program i follow at all um i don't know if i mentioned before he's kind of on the spectrum so it's hard to get him to eat anything he has like four things, five things that he eats on a regular basis and he's, you know, he's on this slight autistic spectrum here. So I try and he's vegetarian. So, I mean, there's a lot of cheese pizza in the house. There's a lot of <laughs> pizza pockets, yeah. a lot of that kind of stuff floating around. I don't I don't go for it. I don't eat it most of the time. 95% of the time I avoid it. Um, when I do, when I do do that, but, It's not like you said. It's not only having a healthy option, but be a lot better if there was no unhealthy option. Right.
0: So, can you um, uh, comment on that, Tasha, about how you should, you know, the things you should keep in your house and not keep in your house?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a, a always a tough situation, right? Because a lot of people who've had bariatric surgery also have families. They have husbands who don't want to eat the same way as we do. They have kids that don't want to eat the same way as we do. So that's always a tough one that people battle. So for example, in my pantry, I have a fat five gallon bucket in my pantry. And guess what it has in there? It has chips for Chris and Chloe. It has cookies for Chris and Chloe for their lunches. And I keep it in a 5 gallon bucket. Have I been guilty about getting in that five gallon bucket? Sometimes I have, but what I, what I, and I'm like you, Carl, it's very seldom, but I have dipped into that bucket. And it's always in the evening time when I'm bored because I'm not as busy. And Tasha doesn't like the emotion of not being busy. She always has to have something filling her time. So guess what? Snacking fills that time, right? It's that uncomfortable filling. You should always stock your house with high protein options. Cottage cheese. Um, I went to Costco, got these chicken, um, chicken sticks. They were 19 grams of protein. For them. Um, Sugar free beef jerky is high protein too. Your lean proteins. I always have like a rotisserie chicken um, already in my refrigerator. I have Greek yogurt. I have tons of vegetables in there. But for us, it's super important that we meal plan and we meal prep. We have to, okay. because if we stick to our structure, the way that we should be eating and building in, even for you, Carl, one to two snacks a day, three good solid meals, protein focused, but balanced, right? A couple of snacks and even your shake, right? One, if you're, if you're eating every two to three hours like we should be, you're not gonna be as hungry in the evening time. And two, even if you are, there's not gonna be a lot of capacity in that stomach because mm-hmm. you focused on protein with eating of your meals but what I see people start doing in their journey is they start going lopsided and they're only taking in they're taking in little protein and more carbs and fats well for satiety we need that protein and so I would make sure that you're always stocked up with good healthy nutrition you know your fruits your vegetables like berries berries for fruits those are always in our refrigerator Mm -hmm. lean protein and that you're meal prepping each week. Like this is what I'm going to have for breakfast. This is what I'm going to have for lunch. This is what I'm going to have for dinner. Here's two high quality um, snacks that I'm going to do. You know, you could even do like cottage cheese and berries. Um, there's all sorts of stuff. I can give you a ton of ideas on snacks. This is my meal plan for the week and that you're sticking to it. And then it helps so that the, the cheese pockets and stuff like aren't coming in because there's not a lot of room left to over. Mm-hmm. And if you actually if you're making your food that you enjoy it, you, you start to gravitate towards really enjoying eating healthy. You don't want the crap anymore because yeah. you are truly enjoying the process.
1: I don't I've I've when I've made the mistake and gone towards towards the stuff that's not great, I don't feel good when after I eat it. Um because I've avoided it for so long. Um, you know, going on two years now of really watching what I'm eating. You can tell the difference and my stomach doesn't agree with me when I do it. And still the mind thing, it's the addict, it's the addictive mind. The mind thinks that it's, he doesn't care what the excuses are. He doesn't care how it makes you feel. He doesn't care about any of that. He wants you to have it and he gets you, he gets it for you somehow or another.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's 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 a very powerful urge. Well, so important to do that mindset work. Either with a counselor or um, somebody that you can talk to about the addiction. It, it's so important. <clears throat> I think it's so important after to continue to see if, if, you know, you are a lot like through insurance or whatever, allowed to see somebody that you can talk to about that because it truly becomes like, how do I continue to battle my brain when the cravings are so strong that it's hard to keep the resistance there? it's like the yeah. cravings are just so strong it's it's better just to give in than experience just this uncomfortable feeling that i can't control anymore and so it's hard because it is a process because a food addiction is just like any other addiction there's a process used to break it i know like for a lot of clients they have to stay away from the sugar it's like once they have a, a taste of sugar it's like it throws them right back in this vicious cycle i've never been that way but for them, it just throws them into this tailspin. spin. And so it's super important to do that mindset work and 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 we don't we don't realize like what we're signing up for when we when we had gastric surgery. Like it was easy just to think our stomach was gonna be cut, you know, it, it reduces our capacity, puts it forces us into this restrictive diet. Boom, the weight loss comes off, I'm a happier person, I'm gonna make all these great choices going forward. I'm never going back. Mm-hmm. And then the newness, the newness of the Porsche wears off. Right. And it has a few nicks in it or a few, you know, dings right. in it. Yeah. And that new car smelling went, went away. And all of a sudden it's like, brain pops in. Right. And it's like, oh, wait, now I have to battle this. Like, I thought this would go away when I had the surgery and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I have to battle it every day. And it's work. I'm
1: work. I'm struggling with huh? the more. Post, I'm struggling with things more post surgery than before surgery. I don't know if it's because I, I put more expectations on what should be happening, or if I I feel the unspoken outside pressure of people. You know, because I make it very public what I do, of people watching. Well, you should be losing more. You know, no one's saying that to me, but I feel it. You should be, you know, you should be a hundred pounds lost by now. It's been six months. So I I fight that, you know, inner struggle at my inner voice, the outside voice that's not actually there. And, uh, yeah, it's like, we were talking about the addiction. It's just as, or addiction. And I also struggle with, you know, I've had this conversation a lot of times where people say being heavy is, you know, it's just a choice. I say it's not a choice. It is to, you know, I've, I've been able to take some weight off, no, nowhere near where I need to be. But no one would choose to be unhappy as they are. And I think it goes hand in hand with mental, mental illness, depression. You're not going to tell someone that wants to commit suicide it, that, you know, that's just a choice. No, there's a chemical imbalance happening in your brain that makes you, wanna, that makes you feel that way. There's a chemical imbalance in my brain that got me to 700 pounds. Yes, I'm choosing to eat what I choose, you know, eat what I eat, but a rational, f- functioning mind's not going to think that way. So there's there's I, no uh, good than just put the fork down. It's
0: like you say. It's it's like any, any addiction. I, you know, I mean, whether it's an alcoholic or a heroin addict. I think you know deep down inside, an alcoholic mm-hmm. doesn't want to be an alcoholic, or a heroin addict doesn't want to be a heroin addict. So, mm-hmm. I think addictions are all rooted in the same, in the same areas in the brain. Um, when it comes to neurotransmitter response, and whether it be, you know, drugs or alcohol or sex or gambling or food addiction, I think they're re- rooted all in the same place. And Tasha kind of alluded to it, really. Is that you know you have to fix your mind before you fix any of that stuff for
1: sure. And I know I have that addictive gene. Um, every male on my dad's side of the family is alcoholic. Um, you're never not an alcoholic. So the, you know they don't drink anymore, but every one of them had it. My dad was, and I knew that, and I made the decision real young to not drink. Uh, so i I've, I've never been drunk. I've never been high. Last time I knowingly drank any alcohol as I was 17 years old. that's the last time I did it, but it manifested in a different way. And the food addiction. So I have that gene. It just, you know, it chose a different path than alcohol. So, and
2: Carl, I find this, you're not, you're in the same boat as the rest of us having bariatric surgery, right? In the beginning, we're so disciplined, like nothing's going to stop us. Nothing's going to get in our way we're never going back you know we're just so just our mind is there our mindset is there right and it's because we have the willpower because willpower mm. is attached to an emotion that emotion was having the surgery if you didn't do what uh, you needed to do you wanted to got the surgery guess what after the surgery the willpower does this and guess what you have left building the discipline yeah and that's what takes over is now you have to be you know look at look at Sean's brother Shane look at how disciplined he is to get to the body fat he gets to to compete it's that same mentality that I
1: mean, this, look really this,
2: this is my discipline that has to take over because I want a better life for myself
1: yeah i need i'm i'm just dis, i'm discovering i need And I don't know, I'm not great at it myself, obviously, but I need a, I almost need a goal. Like pre-surgery, I had goals to meet. I had other people tell me, you need to hit this goal. We're going to check on you to get this goal. Like the doctors or whoever, if you don't hit this certain number, your weight wise, you're not getting the surgery. So, okay, boom. That's my focus right there. The focus after that, maintaining the weight, dropping a little more to get the surgery got that. I met that goal, had the surgery. Then it's kind of like, go out of the nest. You're on your own now. And it's like, you know, they check on you, you know, but it's not, it's not the same. It's not, they don't give you a goal. They don't. So it's, it's definitely on your own. On my own is not a, it's not a strong place. So, Tasha, can you help? I mean, that's one of
0: the things that you do—is you help um, people set realistic goals. Um, can you help with with uh, um, Carl setting realistic goals? I mean, I'm always a big believer with goals. You have to have, you know, long term goal, but then baby steps, baby goals in between. Um, you know, can you? What, what are your suggestions, Tasha?
2: Yeah, I find that a lot. Which is which is why there's a job for me out in this market, right? Because the accountability. A lot of with the doctors, off, they have so many patients that they can't and plus insurance and the cost and stuff like that. I mean, there's lots of things that go into it. They can't have Carl come in a way in every week. Right. So it's like that accountability with your doctor kind of goes away because now it's like, OK, I'm going to see you. You know, when you first have your surgery, I'm going to see you, you know, at one week, one month three, you know, three months, or sometimes it's two months, it's more frequent, right? But then as you start coming out, your visits to your bariat they become farther apart. So it's like, where's that accountability there? And then if you haven't quite developed it with yourself, it's like, okay, now where do I go? And that's where there is like programs like mine. So Carl, I would be happy to keep you and you, you give you goals every week to give you a progress chart of like how much weight you should be losing every week. I mean, we could talk about structure, meal planning, uh, uh, healthy snacks, you know, and really kind of get you into where you're, you're plotting out your success, right? That you're developing that discipline and you're, you're happy with your progress and you're loving your progress, right? And then some goals, like, you know, when you lose the weight, what do you want to do? You know, where do you want to go? You know, do you want to, you know, take a car ride somewhere? Do you want to take a plane somewhere? You know, what are some of those goals that you've like, you know, they're on your bucket list to achieve. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, I will tell you this, Carl. So I have a a, a coach um, that helps me with my mountain bike racing training. And I will tell you, just like Tasha says, I've been doing it long enough now for, you know, like seven years where – in theory, although this is kind of an arrogant statement because my coach is way more knowledgeable than I am, I could probably do it myself as far as the day-to-day, you know, knowing what to do, knowing what to, you know, knowing how to train. But every Monday he checks in on me and he sees what I did for the week. And that holds me accountable. It's like, you know, I don't want to miss workouts and show him that I miss workouts. So I make sure I get the workouts done. So part of the reason I keep doing it is so I'm accountable to somebody because um, it makes it a lot more um, difficult to, to skip workouts if you're accountable to somebody and if you're paying for it. I pay him, so there's value there. And it's like, oh, I want to get my money's worth. Um, and then the goals that we have and we sit down and we, and we talk about those goals. And I'm sure Tasha does this with her clients. Um, you know, The goals I have is I set races out there So I have certain races that I want to do well at and they might be months and they might, they're, they're usually months and months in advance. So those are the long-term goals. But to get to that long-term goal, you have to do steps along the way. Um, I don't want to show up to a race and, you know, not be able to finish or, or get destroyed because I'm not in good, good, uh, I don't have good fitness. So that's partly how a coach holds you accountable, whether it's for bodybuilding, mountain bike racing, or for weight loss. I think accountability is a big thing when it comes to coaching. Yeah.
1: A problem I a problem I have on my own is I'm not good with short, short-term goals um, because, I mean, I can see the short-term goal, but it's all part of this huge – undertaking to meet my final goal so that short-term goal is great but that immediately goes away thinking about it because what am i 533 now i want to get i want to get down 250 somewhere um so that's still what 280 pounds away something like that so that's 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 a lot for my mind to to wrap my mind to you know to wrap around that, that's true, but when you look at it like this, Carl, I'm just going to do quick numbers in my head, or
0: I'm going to do it not in my head because I'm not that smart. So 280 pounds. <laughs> Remember, you gained 400 and some pounds over 20-some years, mm-hmm. which is only like 20 pounds a year. So 280, that's 2.69 pounds a, a week over two years. That is so achievable. Think about it that way. That's why you don't, don't necessarily look at and, – and that is – Looking ahead two years from now, 280 pounds from now, that is overwhelming. But the short term goal, two point seven pounds a week, you can do that. I yeah. mean, you know, so don't look at it as as don't that's what you I have to I probably
1: am now. That's probably where I where the pace I'm at, probably a little more.
0: Yeah. Yeah, right. You've lost uh sixty nine since Um you're on track to lose well, about six months. So you're on track to lose 120 pounds the first year. Yeah. Um, which yeah, that's a that's a that would be about right. You know, so yeah, don't look at it total long term. Um, you know, look at the, the short baby step stuff. And even I'm sure you know, Tasha has programs where you, you don't even look at it per week, but you look at it every day. I mean, I don't know if bariatric patients should be weighing every day. Does that put an unnecessary stressor on on the situation, Tasha? Because sometimes weighing every day, the scale is you know, scale can vary a lot from day to day. So I don't know if that's necessary. Tasha, you have any um, suggestions about, you know, day-to-day goals like that?
2: I I personally like people to weigh in just one time a week with me and spot check, like maybe every few days. What I tell my clients is this. If you're a daily weigher, you you have to expect that that scale is going to fluctuate. And sometimes it can fluctuate any three to five pounds, right? That's right. But if you're a daily weigher, the most important thing is to ask yourself, do my behaviors and habits reflect the number that I want to see on this scale? Because okay. if they don't, like if you've been grazing the night before and it, you were eating cookies and this and that, the scale's going to jump up the next day and it's just going to reinforce in your head. Like, well, I did all this. Look at the scale jump up. It's just going to reinforce that negativity in your head, right? So I tell my clients, if, if that's the case, don't even step on the scale. You need to acknowledge though what happened, learn from it, you know, figure out the why, and then move on. You know, so I like to, I like clients to if they're a daily weigher, that's the first kind of question they ask themselves. But other than that, once a week, and you might just spot check like midweek. Say, say like I count my weigh-ins for my clients on Mondays, so maybe like Thursday, you know, Friday they may spot check their weight. But that's about it, you know, because if you're a daily wearer and it's fluctuating, it can it can really put you in a tailspin into a negative mindset. And then guess what we want to do? Guess what our first action is? I want to eat my feelings because that's what we are really good at is eating our feelings.
0: Right. You give up. Yeah. Yeah. It's not worth it. Right. I'm a daily wearer. Yeah. And, you know, everybody, I will say everybody is different. Um, I have a friend and he. He weighs two to three times a day, and he eats the same thing every day. And so his weight with his – you could calibrate a scale with his weight, literally. <laughs> that's what keeps him on, on track. I told him, dude, that would stress me out. There's no way. I would be obsessed with it, and it would drive me nuts. But that's what works for him. So that's another thing why I think – uh you know getting a coach is important too because everybody has something different that that needs them um they need a program customized towards them so i think that's why a coach is important
1: i Mm -hmm. see i don't i weigh every day just because i wanted i want to keep that's how i keep track of if i'm doing okay um i know it's going to fluctuate from day to day i mean i've had days where I'd gain five pounds in a day. I was like, well, that's weird. Then I realized, okay, well, you didn't take your water pill that, that morning. Let's take a water pill. The next day I've dropped that five pounds. Um, like the last two weeks I've dropped 14 in the last, in the this last two weeks. Um, that's taken a lot, but a lot of that was water the first day. Then that was taken off that holiday holiday weight. Um, so I weigh every day when I when I first started I'd weigh every 2 weeks. I didn't even I didn't care about the scale. I I'd, I'd weigh like the day before I'd go into see my uh, nutritionist appointment. That's where I'd get weighed in and they'd report to the doctor. So that's the only time I'd weigh and that was more just to see how accurate my home scale was as to the doctor's scale. So for the when I stopped being able to go to the nutritionist every two weeks, I'd have make sure that was accurate so I can keep track. Um, I don't get frustrated weighing. Um, I think I'd get frustrated not weighing for right now, just because I want to see, I want to see the progress right now, especially since it's been, it's so new since surgery that I want to, I want to kind of track it just to see, just see how it's going. Um, And another issue, I was going to bring it up a little bit ago, um, I don't know what success looks like after surgery. Like, I don't know if I'm on a good pace of weight loss. I don't know. I didn't know what to expect. I've heard so many different things from different doctors of how fast it should come off, how fast it shouldn't come off, uh, what I, I should expect. Like the first, the surgeon himself says, yeah, with the surgery itself, you'll probably get down into the low 400s. And after that, you know, it'll probably stop being real effective for you. So you might have to consider, doing the full uh, bypass then I had another doctor say oh yeah well I had an uncle that was over 600 pounds and he had the sleeve like you had and he got down to 200 pounds you know it's like
0: well I think one thing let's realize this and this is one thing I tell anybody that's trying to do any kind of weight loss program and I got to remind myself of this too that you know the scale is only a tool it is a tool to go along with other things so what other things are getting better? Um, well, you mentioned, Carl, that you can actually drive your car now. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some ways, it's like who cares what you what you weigh? I mean, you can drive your car now. You mentioned you can clip your toenails now. Well, who cares what you weigh? You can at least clip your toenails now. Those are all progress. Yeah. You know, there was a time where you could hardly
1: walk, correct? Yeah, I could walk from my bedroom to the kitchen or to the living room, and that would my legs were ready to give out.
0: Right. I mean, so in a sense, it's like, you know, let's not get too hung up on the scale. I, um, you know, and especially as you start losing more weight, how your clothes fitting, how are you looking? That That's what's important. And I know, especially as you get to a goal weight, like your goal weight in the two hundreds, that weight is not going to matter anymore. You're going to feel so good about the things you can do, the way your clothes look, the way you look in a mirror, the scale just doesn't matter anymore. Okay you know, three or four pounds difference, who cares? I mean, I feel so much better. And what other, you know, what other um, things have you added to your life? So I think those are some goals that you have to understand, too, that it's not just about weight loss. I mean, because really, overall, it's not really about weight loss. I mean, that's kind of how we monitor it. But overall, it's about how how you can enjoy life again. Tasha, do you have any comments on that?
2: No, I, I'm right with you. So those are called non scale victories, right? And and you want to rack up as many of those as you can, Carl, because from where you started until where you are today, you you saved your life, right? That's yeah. number one. That's yeah. your number one non scale victory. And number two, it's like all these little things that you haven't been able to do that people people take for granted. Like we don't think about those things. But mm-hmm. these are all new. That you can do now because this weight's coming off. So when you say, I don't know what success looks like, I would put that question back to you and say, What is what is what if you were to picture it in your mind, what it what would it look like to you? Not what people are telling you, but what would it look like to you? What would yeah. be some of your non scale victories that you would like to see? Because all of those add up. The scale is just it's it's the measurable aspect of it, right? Yeah. And there's going to be months that you lose a little bit, and there's going to be months like you lose a lot. That's just how it goes. So, what are some things that what are some what are some things that you can think of that would gauge your success right now?
1: I think the only I'll get to that. I think the industry in itself kind of does itself a disservice. Um, what do they call the surgery?
2: Weight oh, loss weight, surgery.
1: Weight loss surgery. Yeah. Um, what do they want you to do before you hit surgery? They want you to get to a certain weight, right? Everything's based on the scale. Everything's based on the scale. And whereas I didn't pay out of pocket, I had to, you know, go through the, the program of the insurance. Um, I had to meet their goals. So, you know, I had a longer journey than a lot of, a lot of people do just because I had to meet all these certain goals and I was at a certain size, um, and a Surgeons were actually afraid to operate on me because of my size. You know, this like you go in for weight loss surgeon. They said, oh, we usually don't see people your size. And I was like, oh, well, that's not (laughs) that doesn't make me feel real comfortable. That's not reassuring (laughs) at all. Um, I mean, I what you're saying is 100 percent right. And I don't disagree with it. It's just getting out of that mindset, especially like that's the journey. The journey for me is exactly saving my life because that's what I did. Right. And as dumb as it sounds, I'm lucky I ended up in the hospital two years ago. Um, Because if I would have continued on that path without. Because I didn't realize how bad I was. I did not. I mean, I had an idea that I was really heavy. I knew that I didn't touch a scale. I had no idea what I weighed, but I didn't know I was there. I had no idea I was that that far, that far off and you know, uh, having the blood clots that could have, you know, if I would have waited or if that would have happened later on when I was even heavier, you know, they may not have caught it. And it may not have went the way it went. Um, Goal non-scale goals for me. See, that's, that's kind of easy for me. I just, anything, I'd like to just go through a day where I don't have to think about my size being an issue with anything. Um, I mean, that's a goal, a a chair that I sit in, uh, going for a ride in anybody's car, um, going like having to walk somewhere. Is it too far for me to walk? Um, just any, anything going into a a public restroom. Am I going to fit in the stall? Um, that's, that's a big, that used to, that is a big one. That used to be a big one. It's still a big one. Um, it makes you afraid to go anywhere. Um, cause you don't know the situation that you're getting yourself into going out to eat. Do they have chairs that don't have arms on them? Is it all booths? I can't fit in a booth. Um, I can't fit in chairs that have arms. I need no arms, you know? So like if I would go out to eat anywhere, I'd have to call the restaurant ahead of time and ask them what kind of chairs they had, what kind of seating they had. Um, so, so
0: Carl, are you. You know, one thing about goals in, 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 my opinion, and if you do some research about goals is that, um, one of the most important things about it is to write, write them down. So do you write these things down? No. And, you know, I mean, keep a little list on, this is what I do with my goals. I just, I put them in my smartphone and I just, I, and I update them, you know, cause they're, they're dynamic goals are dynamic, especially in 2020. Um, my goals changed a lot, um, you know, just write them in there because if you write them in there, then though you're more likely to, to actually achieve them. Um, and even if they are goals like you're talking about, um, you know, write them in there because then, like Tasha says, they're a uh, non-scale victories. So when you can go out to a restaurant and not have to worry about, you know, the seating, that's a big victory. That's a yeah. big victory. So write write those goals down.
1: Yeah, it's – I guess I those aren't very specific so it's hard to, you know, it's hard to
0: that's kind of an overall goal. Well, here's the thing though, but you can make it specific cuz here again, a goal is just a dream if you don't have a time frame on it.
2: Yeah. So,
0: what you would do with the goal is you would say, "Okay, I want to be able to ride in Joe Blow friend's car," okay? Then put a time frame on it by, you know, January of 22 of of, of 2022 i want to be able to ride in somebody's car and not have to worry about fitting and not have to worry about if i'm going to fit or not that you know that is a goal because a goal is really not a goal unless you have a it's got to be specific it's got to be written down it's got to have a time frame and be specific that would be specific yeah
1: i mean i, I hit a couple this weekend actually um when i drove so give an example of what it used to be so if i would go out to my car which is out the back here um i gotta walk down i gotta walk through the laundry room i gotta walk down four steps outside and get into the vehicle before like when i was at my heaviest i would get down to the bottom of the steps and i'd have a bench outside i'd have to sit on that bench before i even tried to get in the car so i'd be out of breath my legs would be toast so yesterday when we got ready to take off I walked out there because I thought I'd i left my keys or my son had left my keys in the truck. I went out there. They weren't in there. I walked right back inside up the stairs again, grabbed the keys, then walked right back down again, got right in my car without even thinking about it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. Then I ended up parking in front of the house, outside of the fence. And I walked into the house on the steeper stairs in the front of the house instead of the back of the house. And I was able to do that as well. So, and I drove for two and a half hours, which I hadn't been able to do. So, like you said, that wasn't a scale of victory, but I was able to do stuff that I hadn't done in years, five years, something like and, that.
0: And I'll, I'll let Tasha um, follow up with this one, but I think, Carl, you should write those things down because, you know, three months from now when you get frustrated because your weight has stalled, which is going to happen again, let's face it, you know, it's like, wow, I haven't lost any weight in – in six days, or I've gained four pounds in three days. You can look back at those notes and you can say, wait a minute, I am the same weight I was, you know, when I could now get into my car and drive for two hours and walk back up the stairs and get my keys. So you can look back at those and you can look at those as, as wins. And instead of looking at, you know, instead of looking at the scale and saying, well, I failed, you can look back at all the wins that you've had. And that's why it's important to keep goals and to keep them in there from year to year. So, you know, when you look at your goals for 2019, you can look and say, well, this is what I accomplished in 2019. I didn't do this, but I did do that. And those were good because you're not going to accomplish all your goals. So, you know, write those wins down because that is very, that's affirmation for us. And we all need that. So Tasha, you want to talk about
1: that?
2: Mm -hmm. absolutely and i know carl you thought about blogging right
1: um a little more and more podcasting
2: yeah this is where you could create your podcast and you could talk about these things because a lot of people don't realize like just like you described being able to do these things like in that moment if you could have captured that feeling in a jar that was everything to you just able to do that and so I think if you podcast if you podcast plus you know like like Sean said write your goals down right but if you podcast and you talk about these things it will also help you in your journey as well because you can go back and when you are feeling frustrated and you are feeling down you could go back and play your podcast and be like let me remind myself of why I'm doing this journey because if you wait like you can't lose 250 pounds without losing pound one Without losing yep. pound two, probably, right? You're 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 looking at what did we say two point
0: two point four seven a week? 2.7, 2.69 a week.
2: Yeah, divided by seven days, just 0. 0.38 a day.
0: Right. So how so do I lose a
2: half that? A pound. I lose you know, how do I lose that next point three? And this is where I think if you write them down um and start up your podcasting, you know, I know that's something that you wanted to start up, talk mm-hmm. about. 700 pounds talk about you know all of the non-scale victories and what they mean to you talk about your whole journey it will drastically help you but this is the other thing that i believe i believe that you can get down into the 200s if you work hard and you stick to plan i absolutely 100 percent believe you can get into that down to that oh, weight absolutely. i had a client at 420 her doctor said she would never get down to that today she weighed in at 215 so mm-hmm. i believe that the only limitation you put on is the one we put on ourselves. And sometimes it's because somebody didn't quite believe in us that we could do it. And that's why I tell people to prove them wrong.
0: And thank you for that, Tasha. And we've had multiple stories on our podcast where doctors have told them, you can't do that. And they prove them different. So I'm not saying you shouldn't necessarily listen to your doctor, but Carl, you're in charge of your own health. Um, not your doctor. And so you can do what you want to do. Um, You know, it's not going to be easy. And I think that's one thing that I hope one of the things that we've, you know, was talking about your journey and and Tasha made this clear when she was on our podcast uh, almost a year ago um, that, you know, bariatric weight loss surgery is not easy. Um, <laughs> you know, people think it's just an easy way out sometimes. Um, but it's not, it's definitely, and you know, it's, uh, and it's, you know, weight loss is a s- lifelong struggle for all of us, for all the struggles of our weight, me included. It's a lifelong process. I am never going to be able to eat all I want and not exercise. that, that just, it that ain't going to happen because I guarantee you if I wanted to gain 40 pounds next month, I guarantee you I could gain 40 pounds in a month. Yeah. I guarantee you I could honestly. Um,
1: and it's, hard, it's hard. I do it rarely and I'm doing it right now, actually, now that we're talking about it, thinking about how I felt at my highest compared to what it is, how I feel now or what I'm able to do now. Yep. Um, I remember I'm like in my mind right now, I'm in the hospital, just standing up to switch from one bed to the other bed and three people on each side of me or three people hold my arms to make sure I don't go down. Um, compare that to what I, what I can do now. It's no, it's night and day. And if someone would have told me in under two years, you're going to be able to do what I'm doing now. I wouldn't have bought Good into for you. it. Good for you, Carl. That is awesome. And you know what? Eventually,
0: if you don't write these things down, eventually you'll forget those little wins and those are big wins, but eventually you'll forget those. That's why it's so important to write them down because, uh, you know, there's going to be a time where you struggle again, you know, um with your weight and you got to realize how far
1: you've come in 2 years. So is this a victory or a fail? Um I can't walk like 3 steps if I'm not holding my shorts that I'm coming down. Is that, <laughs> is that? A fail or is that a <laughs>
0: Yeah right. I think that's a victory. It's a victory I'm in I mean, it's
1: a fail if I'm in public. But
0: yeah, I guess it depends on who's watching. If it's a victory, yeah, yeah. Or not. I doubt your son wants to see your shorts come down. But maybe oh, he, I don't know. worse. He, yeah. he's
1: a Trooper. <laughs> he's more than any son needs to see.
0: <laughs> so no, this is this has been great. Uh, I appreciate both you guys coming on and. Tasha, you sharing your expertise and Carl, you sharing your story. Um, Carl, um, my uh, ask for you is we're going to have you on again. Um, and, you know, probably in another six months or so. You think that's a good time, Tasha? Another six months?
2: Yeah, I'd go three or six months.
0: Okay. So we'll shoot for six months. And Carl, I want you to have a list of your goals down um, and not just weight goals, but I want you to have a list of your goals of some of the things that you would like to do, um, you know, your goals that you would like to do over the next six months to two years when, you know, through your weight loss journey. And we can discuss those goals because I think uh, it's very uh, reassuring to people that, um, you know, you've come a long ways. Most people have not don't need to lose as much weight as you do, but they're in this, they have the same struggles as you do, just not to the extreme. So if you, you can be an inspiration for a lot of people, and I think that's what you're doing. And I really appreciate that, Carl. Thank you so much.
1: I appreciate you uh, putting my story out there, um, putting me on, you know, your your podcast and uh, it's been, it's been fun. It's been, it's been interesting. A lot of people have reached out to me. Like a lot of people going, there's been a few people that are going in for the surgery now that want like want me to tell them all the secrets. And I was like, kind of, I don't have any secrets. I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Right, so. right. But.
0: So uh, I'm gonna let both of you finish up with some parting words. So, so Carl, how would you like to end today's podcast and um, you know to give inspiration to others about your story?
1: Well, my story is. You know it is different than a lot of them even people that have had bariatric surgery um but i mean it's still the same struggle with everybody you may not be as far as far up the scale as i was you may not be you know close to as bedridden as i am and you may be lighter than i was and be bedridden i don't you know it it doesn't you don't know you don't know everybody's story but the most important thing to do is improve from where you were the day before progress. You know, just even if you don't feel that you are, and even if you don't feel like being the best you can that day, you know, I tell people, even though, you know, a lot of times I don't follow my own, my own advice, but I just tell people fake it until it happens. You know, if, if you're not happy, make sure fake you're happy then you'll, it'll, it'll follow, you know, a positive mindset gets positive Mm -hmm. results. So. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: Tasha, um, I'm going to have you follow that up with what, what drives you? What do you have a passion for Tasha? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, but go ahead and tell our listeners and viewers what you have a passion for.
2: Well, right now it's regain, taking off, regain from my, from, from clients and starting up my whole challenge that I did. This was a year in the making. Right. So at one point, I didn't know if I could do it. And that was an excuse. That was something I had to bust. I had to bust my excuse because I had to ask myself, how do you know that to be true, Tasha? How do you know that you're not you can't create this material or you can't do this? How to bust those excuses. And so I love helping people because a lot of times what gets in our way is our is our own minds. It's our own worst enemy. And we'll start putting like these limiting beliefs on ourselves and saying well what if i can't do this and so i always this is this is the new thing that i have with my clients and so they're starting to repeat me on this how do you know that to be true so when they when they when they tell me they're limiting beliefs or you know they're i can't so i always ask them how do you know that to be true and they have to think about it and they have to answer it because that's what holds us back from really true greatness and living happy healthy life is really kind of busting those excuses and and busting those limiting beliefs so you know i love helping people because i i see the potential in everybody i think everybody has great potential but you got to see your potential you got to get there you got to believe in yourself because once you start to do that the magic truly starts to happen and sean's correct i can only tell you a couple of my big non-scale victories, I can't tell you all the small ones, losing 140 pounds because I've I forgot about them. I should have wrote everything down, but I didn't. I the only the only big, the, the big ones stick in my head. That's it.
1: Hmm. That's I've awesome. Learned, I know what I've learned personally is I don't I don't accept excuses from other people as much as I used to. I was the king of excuses. And I've proved myself wrong in doing this. So if I'm proving myself wrong, you're not fooling me with your, any excuse you have right now. And a lot of people hit me with, you know, I can't do this because yeah, you can, you just don't want, you're not ready to, you don't want to, your mind's telling you, you can't, not your body. Right. So, right. Well, thank you guys for your time, and this is
0: just a, a great way to lead into a new year um, with weight loss. A lot of people have goals for weight loss into the new year, and so we're kind of staying with that theme um, for quite a few shows this this uh, month in January 2021 to lead off this year, and And next uh, episode is no different. Thursday, tune in from 8 to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time when we have Dr. Meg Headland. She is going to share her story. She's a critical care doctor in um, Kansas. And she's going to share her story of her weight loss story and how she thought it was kind of hypocritical, how she was telling her patients to lose weight, yet she was uh, overweight. So she... uh she lost um, weight, and now she's able to talk to her patients uh, about these things. So, stay tuned for that episode, uh, Meg, Doctor Meg Headland, in uh, Thursday, 8, eight a.m. to nine a.m. as always on Thursday, and um, you've been tuning in on Mondays, uh, Monday. Sorry, I, I I'm slipping up today, and Lindsay's laughing at me. So, and Mondays, um, every every Monday, one to two p.m. Stop laughing, Lindsay. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I took a week off. I just, and boy, I just, I'm all frazzled. So you don't want to miss those episodes. So tune in Thursday. You've been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thanks for listening and watching.